Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from sweet recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. And to tell you about this lovely studio is the owner, the producer of my show, and my buddy, Joe Ganjemi. Take it away, Joe. Thanks, Coop. You're the man. So at Sweet Recording, we help brands and businesses and organizations to leverage the power of podcasting, YouTube, and social media content to amplify their message and expand their audience in a fun and unique way. We can help you to get started. We provide everything from podcast planning to publication of your episodes. And we can then, uh, we can help you to break that down into lots of pieces of micro content for your social media marketing as well. So if you're interested in learning more about our services, you can contact me, Joe, anytime at hello at sweetrecording.com or visit us on the web at sweetrecording.com. That's S-U-I-T-E. Take it away, Coop. Definitely uh, check it out, people. They're, they're, this is a great great little studio. I'm happy to be here, and uh, they'll take care of you. And uh, we have a great show today. Uh, we, have, we have a bunch of people I've met through the networking world. You know, one's out of state, which is crazy. There's someone out of state on the show. That doesn't happen much. And our first guest from Durand is Ray Pastore. How you doing, Ray? I'm doing well, Steve. Thank you so much. Good morning. You're welcome. Thank you, and good morning to you. And then uh, he was in the first episode of the Coop Tank from John Cruz Photography, Mr. John Cruz. What's up, John? How you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me back on. You got it. And the fudge lady from A Flare for Fudge. We have Hillary Saporta. How you doing, Hillary? I am wonderful, Steve. Thank you so much for inviting me to this. I'm really excited about being here. Good. This is going to be fun today. Now, Rachel, tell us a little more. Uh, tell us about Duran, what Duran is and what it does and what you do for them. Sure. So I'm very blessed. I'm actually the marketing, uh, the director of marketing and development for Durand. Uh, we are a multi-services agency and we assist and provide services for people with autism. So the way that we go about doing that is we have a school down in Woodbury where we service currently about 75 students that are on the autism spectrum. Um, in various degrees of functionality. Uh, then we also have adult day programs. We have three adult day programs in the Tri-County area and uh, seven group homes. So we assist individuals that are on the spectrum that uh, anywhere from, you know, need daily support to community outings to our educational program. Um, I'm fortunate to get to tell their stories. I handle our digital and our social media. I handle all of our PR work. Uh, and I just recently completed um, a, a rebrand that we're very excited about. So we've been in business just a little over 50 years and we're doing good work. That's awesome. That's awesome. How about you, John? Tell us about John Cruz photography. I always say I want John, I'm going to dress up like a picture of me dressed like a Dalmatian and I'll give it to my <laughs> wife and then I'll get divorced. But John, tell us about, tell us about John Cruz photography. But you'll have the memory forever, you know? Exactly. Uh, so yeah, thank you for, uh, Thanks for the intro. I'm John Cruz with John Cruz Photography. I am a boutique portrait photographer. And really what I do is I leverage my design background to create photographic images that tell a story. So my my big thing is that I want to work with people who um, really want us to have a story to tell. We're going we're gonna to make it big and we're going to put it on the walls, whether it's a family story or it's a high school senior story or a pet story. Whatever that story is, we're going to decorate their home with something that they get to tell forever. Okay, and Hillary, how, tell us about a flare for fudge. 
Well, thank you. Um, I'm Hillary with a flair for fudge. I am located out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I am the one that's, I am the one in the square that is from out of state. Um, I've been in business 13 years. My background's in advertising and marketing. So when I started this business, I wanted to create a product that not only tasted sweet and brought a smile and maybe a memory back to somebody, but also could be used by companies, individual business owners and corporations that could use our product as a sales tool, a thank you gift, any sort of connection to somebody that they want to um, acknowledge or thank. And so we can customize any of our products with a company logo, personalized message, and um, we've got over 50 varieties and we start off with a premium chocolate. All our flavorings are natural, no fillers, preservatives, or food coloring, and our products are under 100 calories. So it's just kind of an all-around nice treat that uh, isn't going to break the waste. So see, 100 calories—that's good. I, I would just—I I, see—I can't do that. Like, I, if I eat sweets, I just eat a shitload. I mean, I'm like—I'm like the person who <laughs> eat like a whole, whole thing of Girl Scout cookies. But uh, so we—we we all, you know, we're all in newer careers. It's, it's not none of us started out what we do right now so rachel how did you end up what was your path to ending up with duran so it's a really interesting situation um for many years i was a recruiter and sat in the tech space most specifically uh did a lot of high-end executive search did a lot of placement uh from there i went to work for one of our local uh managed services providers and i was the vp over there for about 10 years um, was really able to kind of penetrate the Mount Laurel, Marlton, you know, the South Jersey market, built a lot of relationships with individuals like yourself uh, and, you know, the various networking, all of our, you know, mutual friends and connections. Um, and then from there, I actually started my own baking company a couple of years ago because much like Hillary, I recognized that there was a space to have, um, you know, edible art and with that tie-in for, client gifting, brand awareness, and things of that nature. So I ran a business for about five years in addition to doing the, the technology piece. And then just a, almost two years ago, my life kind of evolved in, in a different way. Um, and I wound up here at Durand and I could not be more pleased. It was really one of those things that when the universe calls you into the time and space and you answer the phone, um, I could not have asked for a better opportunity. So I get to bring all of my sales, my marketing, my relationship building background into an organization where the clients that I serve and the people that I work with uh, fill my heart every day. And it's just the most miraculous place to sit where you get to earn money doing something that you love and actually feel like you're helping people. All right. Now, Hillary, how, how did you end up? We'll go from the baker to the fudge maker. See, I rhymed there. Uh, tell, how did you end up in the fudge company? So um, my background's in advertising and marketing, and um, I owned an ad agency for 20 years and finally woke up one morning and said, I really don't want to do this anymore. And I sat at a coffee shop with somebody and I said, if somebody came along and offered to buy my business, I'd probably sell it. And a week later, I got a phone call. I thought it was a friend playing a horrible joke. And bottom line, it was in a legitimate situation. And so I sold my business, walked away from a, a big bank of business, 26 employees, and retired for a short period of time. And retirement was not as much as it was cracked up to be, especially when everybody around you is working. 
And so I ended up doing a lot of freelance work. I worked some Super Bowls. I worked Final Fours. I worked a bunch of different sort of sporting things because I've always been into sports. And a friend of mine needed some help in the printing business. And I grew up in the print business. And so I helped him out. One day walked in and said, you got to let me go. His business wasn't doing well. And I walked out on a Friday and Monday, I got a call from Harley Davidson saying, we have your resume and uh, we'd like you to come in and interview. And I'm like, well, I'm looking for a job, but you don't have my resume. And so I ended up there for about three and a half years until they decided to close my department down, which was marketing. And so I walked out and decided that I wanted to go back into business for myself. I wanted to know that I had a job every day that I wanted a job. And so it was my husband's ex-wife. I had been making fudge for about 15 years before I started the company. It was a few days after Christmas. We were eating leftover fudge that I made every year for Christmas. And she said, why don't you, what do you plan on doing? And I said, back in business for myself. And she's, what about making fudge for a living? So it's my husband's ex-wife's fault that I'm in this business. Um, but I've been in it for 13 years. I love what I do. I love creating stuff. We've got over 50 different varieties. And most of it is either somebody saying, hey, can you make or can you do something? And so it's just been, it's my using my creativity from my advertising days and and just being able to just move forward with it. So it's just, it's a fun business and I'll do it while I'm still having fun. I'm still waiting for that asparagus flavored fudge. Yeah. Okay. You're going to be waiting a while. <laughs> John, John, how about you? How, how did you end up at John, with John Cruz photography? So I started out uh, college as an architecture major. And after about two years, I wasn't sure if that was what I wanted to do or, or not. And I was not like of the age of like making lifelong decisions. So I switched schools, I switched majors, I got a business degree with a concentration in marketing because I figured that was flexible enough that I could get a job and then I'll figure it out later. Um, so I started working at Vanguard, the investment company. I was doing uh, statistics. I was an analyst for about 10 years um, and I missed the creative aspect of architecture. So then I went back to school at night. Um, I completed the architecture degree, um, but the whole plan was I was gonna go make buildings and then um, Around the time when firms were, yeah, when I was about eligible for my internship, because that's the path to getting a license, um, the 2008 financial collapse happened and all of my architect friends were out of work. And so I pivoted, I, I got a, a role in the user experience department. So I worked on web design um, uh, for the uh, 401k side of the, of the house. And so when I graduated, I was not, at that point, I was a lead designer. I was not going to go into an architecture firm at the ground floor because I was a senior designer and I would have taken a huge pay cut. So I picked up photography as a hobby. I started wandering around the city and taking very architectural type photos of buildings and cityscapes and shapes and shadows and things like that. And then um, through a couple of Instagram meetups, I started to connect with portrait photographers and people who were getting the modeling and I started doing portraits. And that was the first time it felt like design where it was like a collaborative conversation. It's like, what are we gonna to make together? Um, so then I started to get some requests. I started to get published. Um, I won an, like a, a Best Photographer in the City Award. And I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go do this. And so then I just, I'd run out of being creative at Vanguard. Like there's only so many ways you can design a website to tell somebody to save more for retirement. Like, yeah, you kind of run out of, of that juice after a while. And so in 2019, I started, um, I started my portrait business and been gone ever since. That's, see, that's good. And you do great work. So that's great. Now, you know, when we, 
when we go on social media and when, when we talk to people at networking events, you know, everyone is very quick to tell you how good they are. Okay, it, it, you, the, the egos that walk in some of these rooms is unbelievable. And everyone's fine to say, ah, oh, this, 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 I'm doing great. But no one talks about what they need to improve on. So I want to ask you, Hillary, what's something that you need to improve on that you consciously know? Like for me, it's procrastination. I mean, I've been talking <laughs> since this show started about me writing this business book. It's all in my head. I still haven't sat my ass down and did it. I have that. I have a great screenplay idea out of an 80s book. I haven't done any of it. I sit there and I go, oh, I'm going to get up and do it today. And then, oh, yeah, I'm like a squirrel. Something happens. I'm like, oh, I got to go to the, the dollar tree. But Hillary, what's something that you that you feel that you need to improve on? It's it's I'm, I'm glad you asked that because this question came up actually yesterday in another call and I've noticed over the course of years that my follow up has not been as great as it used to be. And it's because I think for me, it's like there's we talked about social media. I'm like, you've got all these different social medias and then somebody reaches out to you or or you go ahead and you like or you friend or whatever the term that you use for whatever social media. And then you just do that. And. And then you just don't seem to like talk to them afterwards. There's a reason why one person connected with somebody else, not just so that you have so many likes on your page. It's so that you can hopefully create a relationship and be able to refer back and forth. And I feel that um, because I produce my own product and because I'm like kind of juggling so many hats that the, the follow-up has kind of, I'm like, ah, if somebody needs me, they know where to find me. And that's not always the way that it should be. So how about you, Ray? What's something you need to, you feel like you need to improve on? So interestingly enough, similar to Hillary, I, I wind up, um, taking on a little bit too much, perhaps. Um, I definitely overextend myself because I want to be a lot of things to a lot of people. I'm, you know, I'm a single mom. I have a job. I have, you know, responsibilities within the community. So I need to be better at recognizing my own personal time constraints um, and understanding that a kind no or not at this time is just as wonderful and um, gracious as accepting an invitation. Because if you can't do it 100% or to the best of your ability, um, then sometimes maybe it's better for somebody else to do it. Okay, how about you, John? What's something you need to improve on? I'm trying to be less awesome. Uh, <laughs> I uh, no, so I have um, I have ADHD, um, which you know, for for those that like don't actually have it, it is there. I can take on big tasks. It's the little ones that get in my way, like that will sit there and will bother me for weeks, and it takes me five minutes. And so you get paralyzed by those things, and so I really have to like work out like you have structure so that I could bang those things out. But that's something that I, I it will always be a struggle for me to do the minutia tasks, um, especially now that I'm working for myself by myself. There's no one to delegate those things to. So those little tasks that come into running a business um, are not my favorite. And so it, they will be uh, the bane of my existence until I grow to a point where I start hiring people for it. Okay. So we, we just got through the year 2023. Now we're in 2024. I'm going to start with you, John. What was your, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment from 2023? It can be personal. It can be professional, but to you, what do you feel was your biggest accomplishment? So 2023 and maybe a little bit in 2022, but like 
So when I started this, right, I spent 20 years at a singular company, right? But and and so my entire network was that company. It was not the Philadelphia area. Um, it was all the way out in, in Malvern, PA. Uh, so when and then when COVID happened, like I was getting aggressive with trying to build a network. And so, but a lot of it was virtual. And frankly, I'm much more successful in person. So 2023 was really my to be deliberate in my networking, attend certain events, make a connection, have a follow-up. Like I really got into the cadence of making networking um, an activity that I had to be deliberate about and not something I just kind of, you know, came in and out of. So from that, I was really happy with the progress that I made in that because that was not, it was not something I had to do in my previous jobs. Like I never had to like, I had a network, but it wasn't, a network that was for my current business. Okay. How about you, Ray? What was, what do you think was your biggest accomplishment in 2023? Well, 2023 was a big year for me. So um, I would say my biggest accomplishment here at the agency that is, we actually went through a rebrand. So when I first started with, within Durand, we did not have much focus on and marketing and development and fundraising. And what I quickly found out was while we have been a staple in the community for 50 years, we are not a well-known name. And in fact, there are other companies that are also named Durand. So we didn't have a lot of differentiation in the marketplace. Um, and so one of the things that I that I spearheaded and I was very fortunate to lead the team was we actually did a rebrand, which included a, a logo redesign that allows for us to speak more um comprehensively to the types of services that we that we provide for people with autism it uh, is imagery and messaging that gives a more meaningful definition of the work that we do and I'm super proud of it uh, you know it's it's something that when we go out into the market and I now say I'm with Durand and I show them who we are on paper or or marketing materials there's a connection there um, and that was something that you know starting from the inception, doing the market research, creating the logo uh, and making it through the various channels of stakeholders here within the agency and getting the sign off and the buy-in. Um, it was a significant task and it went very well. And I'm, I'm incredibly proud of it. That's good. That's good. I'm glad you're proud. And how about you? How about you, Hillary? Something, what was your big accomplishment in 2023? I survived. No, okay. um, seriously. Um, for me, unlike John, I actually am more deliberate in who I speak to, what events I go to. Last year, it seemed like I spent a lot of time on a lot of calls and a lot of times in a lot of meetings to find out that the amount of time I spent did not necessarily equate to contacts, business or whatever. So I usually, I always set goals and I always look at my year. This, this past year, I really looked at it more closely than I had in the past few years. And so I started off 2024 with being more deliberate with what what calls am I on that, and, and it's not all about money, but what calls am I on that I'm at least meeting people, connections, friends, whatever the case may be, and not every group is for the same purpose. Um, and so that's kind of for, for me what I've done. I've spent less time on social media. I have somebody who does my social media for me because that was a big time waster. So I've just delegated certain things. I've given up certain events with certain 
companies that just is not, it's not getting me to my end goal. And so that's what I, that's basically what I'm doing. Okay, we're going to stay with you. Uh, what was, what do you feel was your biggest disappointment in 2023? Spending so much time for a little reward. That was, it was, it was amazing because I, I spent hours every day doing what I needed, you know, what I was thinking was building my business. And then, as I said, I produce my own products. So then I'm spending my nights cooking in my kitchen that I didn't do, you know, during the day when I was talking. And so you would think that that would just have profoundly expanded my business. And I found that it was not. So it's not necessarily the groups that I was with. It may be the way that I was handling it. And it also goes back to maybe my follow-up. So I'm just taking on less conversations so that I can do the follow-up, which will hopefully build more of a relationship. How about you, Ray? What was your biggest disappointment in 2023? Um, my biggest disappointment, I would say I, I had a lot of goals set for 2023 um, and I don't know that I necessarily really sussed them out enough to ascertain if they were going to be achievable in 2023. So setting a bar that was probably too high and then recognizing about halfway through the year that, you know, some of these things are going to get pushed into 2024 and even 2025. Um, I went back to school and I was, you know, had grand plans for my master's degree and I was going to hit that, uh, hit that bar, you know, pretty aggressively, um, recognizing that that's not something that I can do um, as an adult, as a working adult with a family, I need to push it back a little bit. So not that it's going to stop. It's just not going to be on, a, on as an aggressive timeline. Okay. How about you, John? What was the disappointment in 2023? Uh, for me, I had expected a line of business to ramp up and it didn't. So um, I, for the past couple of years, I've been getting a couple of inquiries here and there, trips and drafts about high school senior photography. Now, in our area, it has never been a big thing. It's always been a big thing in the Midwest and the South. It's huge. Um, and now kids are starting to see on TikTok and Instagram these experiences, and they started to ask their parents. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get ahead of this. And then, you know, it is going to be a big part of my business. And it has not picked up yet. It's still like, it's still the drips and drabs. And I was kind of targeting like last fall to really be like the ramp up for this thing. And I'm still like plugging along. So it's just like I mistimed like when this thing is going to take off. I think it's still coming, but like I just, I, you know, I was estimating for something else and it just, it didn't occur yet. Okay. Uh, we're going to go with you, Ray, for this question and we'll get to all of you. And uh, this, I, I like this question. It's the first time I've asked this. I, I've never asked this question. Um, who in your life has been a big influence to your success and to what you do and who you are? And, you know, I, I never ask that. We talk, you know, everyone talks about mentors and stuff like that. But is who is someone who's really made an impact on you, Ray? So, you know, I've actually been asked this question before, and it's I always find it in interesting. So um, I actually grew up um, with a very challenging background. Uh, I did not have a lot of mentorship growing up. Um, and so oddly enough, the people that influenced me the most were TV figures. So the Claire Huxtables of the world, right? These, these powerful business women who were 
wickedly intelligent, super capable. And oh, by the way, they're raising a family and totally kicking ass at home. Um, so throughout the course of my life, I looked for people like that. Um, never anybody that was a, a direct uh, mentor towards me up until the point where I actually landed in the role that I'm at now. And I'm very blessed to say that my CEO has has provided a significant amount of mentorship as I'm, you know, adjusting more into a life of the nonprofit world coming out of more corporate environments. Um, but yeah, it was more media driven uh, people that I wanted to emulate, things that I didn't want to uh, reproduce or be a part of. But it was oddly enough, a lot of it was through TV and 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 media. That's cool, because that's why I wear these hats, because I look up to rerun and what's happening. So yeah. I, I can dance good, too. I'm joking. I uh, <laughs> I wear the hats because I'm bald. Um, John, who is... Uh, take take the same question. So I, I... Like, Ray, I don't know that I actually had, like, a singular mentor throughout my life. So because I bounced around to a bunch of different things, really, like, my life experience is a mosaic. So I cobble together. Every person I talk to, I learn something new. Right. And so really, it's just about like little snippets over time. Um, if I were to deconstruct them, I could probably take them back to where did I derive that from? But I never really had like a singular mentor because I didn't have a traditional anything. Like I just kind of like bounced around to things that I thought that were interesting. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's it's every conversation I have. I go, OK, what can I take from this? And, you know, I'm a I'm a big stealer. Like I just I steal things, you know. From from yeah, from people who are doing it well or to people who are doing it poorly. And and then I see how okay, how do I apply that? How do I apply that? So it's really just like almost like the community aspect. I I look around, I, I'm observing. And so that was kind of like how I have made decisions throughout life. Plus spite. Spite's a good decision maker for me. Yeah, I'm very spiteful. I mean, my wife was talking about that the other day. I'm such a spiteful. Like, we have a thing in, my, in Stockton, my college, and they're doing college sweethearts. You know, me and my wife went to college, but we didn't get together for years later. And everyone, they mentioned they were going to do this, everyone said, uh, they mentioned us, but we haven't been featured yet. And I said, if I win the lottery, I was going to give my college a million dollars. They get nothing. And out of spite, I will give it to Rowan, which was our competition. Just out of spite. So if you're watching this, people from Stockton State, well, Stockton University, you better put me and Joanne on your couple thing. Else, if I win the Mega Millions, you know, I'm not giving you any money. That's all. Anyway, Hillary, what is uh, <laughs> someone who uh, you've, um, you've, uh, you've has mentored you or been... So in my, it, I I grew up unlike um, Ray. Um, my mom was um, a business owner. Um, my aunts were business owners. So I, growing up, I had a lot of females that in my family. My family was very small, but they were all you know business owners, um, independent women. And then um, in college, I actually had a professor who just was my mentor through college. Just kind of guided me and really kind of put a bug in my ear about me eventually being my own business owner. But as far as of recent, and this is going to sound very sappy, but my husband is like my biggest cheerleader. He is the one who is there always, you know, if I'm like at an event and I say something and I go, oh, it's just sales or whatever, there's nobody here. And he just always says to me, be patient, grasshopper. And that's all he texts me back. 
and it just it just kind of resets me and gets me to where I need to be. But he's also like, he loves my product. He loves my business. So he's just always been a really big, you know, like my right hand person and has always supported me. Now, now in this day and age, there, we have so much going on. You know, you talk about, you know, marriage, kids, you know, networking, all this, and it can become overwhelming. Sometimes, you know, you said, you're going, what do I do? What, what keeps you motivated? John, what keeps you motivated to do what you do? And there's gotta be something. I mean, there's it, what motivates you? What keeps you motivated? Um, the, the, the product. So when, when I deliver something to somebody like the, a photo that I took of them and it's the look on their face, like, like I get, I nerd out on the creative process when I can translate an idea into a photo, like, I'm geeked out. I'm excited when I go to the session. I'm excited when I'm editing them. But there is something different than when you're presenting the photos back to the client and you see their face and you're just like, this is why I do it. Um, so that's why I keep doing it because I enjoy it. So how about you, Ray? What, what keeps you motivated? Oh, hands down, my biggest motivation are my kids. You know, I am I am blessed with two teenage boys. They keep me very busy. Um, you know, and as I made mention, our, our lives have changed significantly in the last couple of years. So just really learning and growing with them, letting them see how you ride the ups and downs, um, whether you're faced with success or adversity and, and what that looks like. Um, but also loving the blessing that my children are neurotypical and understanding that that is, that is a gift in, in itself and being able to focus my time and efforts into other people's children that don't have the same, uh, the same benefits and, and being able to be of service. Um, it's really motivating to come to work every day and know that I get to make a difference. Man, two teenage boys, your grocery bills must be through the roof, man. Teenage boys eat, my, oh my God, they just eat. All they do is eat. It's unbelievable. That's all they do. They eat. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, you, you just so ate much. a pizza. You ate some Elios. Yeah, I could go for a sandwich. Uh, uh, what keeps you motivated, Hillary? I am a lot like John. Um, when somebody tries my product and it puts a smile on their face or somebody says to me, oh, you know, I loved when, you know, my grandmother, or my aunt, whoever used to make fudge and, and they love the, you know, it kind of brings back a memory. And I love also just getting where people say, I gave it to, you know, I sent it to a client or I gave it to somebody and they really appreciated it. That that's, it's, it's seeing the looks on people's faces and what it brings to them that makes me happy. Now, in the last answer, Ray, you mentioned uh, success. So I'm going to ask you, I'm gonna each, ask each of you, I'm going to start with you. At this point in your life, what is success to you? Uh, it's going to sound so cliche, right? So just, you know, cliche, whatever. Success to me is uh, going home every night and knowing that my children are safe and happy. Um, success is me being in a position where I get to provide for them financially, emotionally, hopefully raising good citizens. Um, and then, you know, I like to travel and I like to show them different things, but success for me right now is, is really encompassing and just making sure that they have everything that they need and that they have the type of heart that doesn't just look inward at themselves, but also at, at the world and how they can better improve it. 
How about you, John? What's success to you? How many stories I collect? So for me, like I consider life to be the collection of stories you get to tell at the end. And anytime I get to do something like that, something new, something um, like success to me is being put in a position where I get to accumulate experiences, whether it be travel or um, a show or whatever it is. If I can accumulate experiences, then I'm doing it all right. How about you, Hillary? Uh, same thing. I mean, for me, my husband, we don't have children. My husband and I love to travel. And so part of that success is just being able to see the world and being able to talk to other people who have experienced it and also painting a picture for those that have not had that opportunity to experience something and just bring a different perspective. Um, for me, I mean, just happiness, health, those are two big things of success. The money comes. I mean, I, I do believe that if you really are passionate about what you do. I think the money comes. So that's not something I think most of the time that you have to ask for. But if you don't have health, you don't have anything. And I think when it comes to happiness also, if you're not happy in your space, you're not going to be able to be your best to present your product, your service, your business. So those are, those are for me. Now, you know, I've met you all through networking, and pretty much that's how you meet people these days, through networking. I mean, and there's no other way you're going to meet. You sit there and knock on someone's door and go, hey, you know, people don't cold call. So I, I don't know where I'm, I know, Hillary, I met you in uh, Coffee with Cooper. John, I don't know if it was Christy Berge. I don't know. I Ray, uh, Ray, I believe I met you at an event. I'm not really sure how I met. Oh, I think I met you, Ray, at, at the Chamber of Commerce Heart uh red wear red thing i think that's when I, I met you but we all meet people and we all network that's why we've been brought together that being said we'll start with you hillary what makes you a good networker like what why do you think that i have you on this show because i don't have schlubs on this show i'll be honest if you're a schlub you're not i'm, I'm not gonna have three schlubs like a snail a sloth and you know a rabbit because that wouldn't be a good good show but what makes you a good networker hillary um huh. um i i do find that i i think i'm personable um i do believe that people kind of get drawn to me because i I'm a relatively positive person. I'm happy. I'm one of those that if I'm having the worst day when I'm in front of other people, you're not going to notice that just because if I'm having a bad day, it's not anybody else's fault, but mine and whoever maybe got me in that. So why should I pass that negativity onto other people? Um, but I've just, I've always been, um, I've always been around people. I've always liked people. Um, and I always love meeting new people. So I think that that's part of part of me for networking is just to meet people from all over the United States and in some networking groups, it's all over the world. And I just love experiencing other people and how they live their life and do their business. How about you, John? What makes you a good networker? Um, I think it's because I, you know, even at this age, I have a childlike curiosity. I just like to learn new things. And um, so I ask a lot of questions. I am an extrovert by nature, so I have no problem. Yeah, I love, I get energy off being around people and I have no problem asking questions. Um, and people like to talk about their business and their passions and things like that. So I think that I'm a good networker just because I like to learn a little bit from everybody's, you know, their, their stuff. And so from that standpoint, I make connections that way because everybody likes to talk about their thing if you ask the right questions. Good. How about you, Ray? What makes you a good networker? 
So I'm a natural matchmaker. Uh, you know, I spent so many years doing recruitment and, and bringing together employers and employees and, and making that synergistic match. I love listening to people's stories, getting to understand who they are, what they need, and then being able to be like, oh my gosh, I know this person that's fantastic. It's going to, you know, mesh with you here, here, and here. And really, because everything that we do is so relationship driven, being able to make those connections and, and being a part of something that, um, you know, would be mutually beneficial for the both of them in the long run, I think is a fantastic thing to do. Okay, so we'll go and now about what you can say. Well, we're good networkers, you know, networking and networking is great and networking is wonderful. But what don't you like about it? Like I was at an event and uh, as I was talking to someone, basically we weren't a match, but I was talking and they, they didn't want to hear from me and they're, they're looking around the room and I'm like, you know, why are you doing that? Like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty interesting, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm a performer. So I'm half I'm half narcissist and half insecure. And that's every right. performer is because we we need the attention. But then if we don't get it we're like, oh, and I, I, it pissed me off. And I said, this this guy's a bad networker because you don't want to have time to me. And that bothers me when people if you meet someone and if you don't have something they want when they start looking around the room. I said this last week. It's so funny. This guy didn't have the time for me. But just a month before I was talking to Keanu Reeves. So who's cooler, you or Keanu Reeves? I think Keanu is okay, and uh, I'm just saying it's just one of those things. You don't have the time for me, but Keanu Reeves, when everyone backstage was trying to talk to him, because I'm friends with the drummer, dog star, he talked to me. He can talk to me, even though everyone's like, "Oh, Keanu," you know. And so mm -hmm. that's one thing I don't like about networking. When people, when they they feel they're too, as my mom would say, their britches are too big. They britches, their britches are too big. What Ray? What is something that you don't like about networking? So I actually just had this conversation yesterday with uh, our mutual friend, uh, Will Webb. Um, I have days where I feel on top of the world and I bring the energy and I, I want to talk to people and I'm super exuberant. And then there's other days where I turn into a complete introvert and I really struggle to strike up conversations, to figure out a way to connect with people. And what I found out was my personal social battery, if you will, has a very short lifespan. So I will typically show up to an event, give a lot of a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, but it's very rare that I stay for the entirety of the event because I really do, like I can just feel it like, and, and by the time I hit like a certain time, I'm like, mm, time for me to bounce. And it creates a level of anxiety for me because then I start to get awkward and weird and um, I, I have to recognize that for me, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a long distance runner when it comes to a networking event. Okay. How about, how about you, Hillary? Well, I'm going to play off of what Ray just said, cause I'm, when I go to a live event, I always end up showing up early and then meeting people as they come in so that when people, if it's a, if it's a networking where there's like free drink coupons and stuff, there gets to be a point where all of a sudden the conversations start to change. And so I go in early, I do my networking, and then I determine whether I'm going to stay and just join the party, or if at that point I'm going to cut out because I was there solely to network. But one of the other things on that that I don't like in a networking is sometimes you go and there are people in the group and all they do is they come up and they just throw their business card in front of you. That just turns me off so quickly and I've created a system 
So when I know in one pocket are the people I want to call in the back, I, I'll never throw a business card away in front of somebody, but I definitely have a system that I know when I get home that I take out the cards and I know which ones I'm just not going to keep. And so I've created, and that's the one thing, if anybody gets anything out of networking, you know, talk to somebody before you throw your business card at them. Cause that's not, people aren't going to go ahead and want to talk to you that way. That, that'd be a good one. Those reality, like those uh, shock humor TV shows where you have a guy at the event and every time he gives a, he, everyone gives a because he goes, fuck you and throws it away. <laughs> I think that would, that everyone, just to see people's reactions. I want to do that. I, I think we got to do that. I almost one time did something where when I was in Burbank, my friend said, cause I used to go to this one bar all the time. He said, just walk in one time with a really bad hair piece and see how people react to you. Cause people aren't going to say, Oh, that looks like crap, you know, but it's just so I'm going to do that. One. I'm going to rip it up and throw it. And John, you can you can take pictures and it'll be a new book <laughs> called, you know, the mean side of networking. So, uh, John, what is something you don't like about networking? My mind's very much like Hillary's like uh, because I think it, especially for like my business, right? It is a relationship business. I have to people have to get comfortable with me. They're going to be in front of my camera. Like I'm building, when I go to networking, I'm building relationships with people. And there are people who are literally there to conduct transactions. And it's like, well, this isn't a website. Like, it's not like, you know, you put it in a cart and you just send it on its way. And so when people were just like, you know, they walk around and you see them, they walk around real quick and they make sure everybody gets their business card. And you're just like, I didn't even have, I don't even know who this dude is. And so like, that's the end of that conversation. Um, so Steve, I think we should do like, the next, uh, the next in-person one we go to, we should just have like a, a little recycling bin and we just hand it around and like just drop the cards in as you go. Please take so, pictures. I want to see that. Oh yeah, it'd be wonderful. So, you know, as I just pitched about networking, here's another point. I love the, I love bitching about LinkedIn. Now I love LinkedIn. And that's how I get a lot of my guests. I get a lot of my guests from LinkedIn. Like, Hillary, I know you. Ray, I ran into you yesterday and I had a cancellation. I said, oh, come on. You know, so I meet people. But for people I really don't know, I'll send them a message on LinkedIn. And, you know, and a lot of times if we're connected, they get back and it's great. But there's a lot of stuff I don't like about LinkedIn. I, I, the thing that bothers me this week, and, and it bothers, has bothered me before, is if you're going to brag, do me a favor, brag. Okay, mm -hmm. if you sit there and say, hey, you know what, my fudge is great. Shout it from the top of the roofs. My HUD, don't give me that humble brag bullshit. Because humble brag, I saw someone the other day, they wrote this, I was so, my business was so down, and I was so depressed, and I didn't know what to do. So I turned to this person, and I turned to this person, and they encouraged me. And then suddenly, these people got me the speaking gig. Well, just say... You got the speaking gig. I don't want to hear your bullshit background story. And it's called a humble brag. People are like, oh, I was walking down the street and almost got hit by the car as I, as I was about to deposit this $10,000 check that I just got for selling photography. So that's one thing that hates, I hate right now is the humble brag. People use it. John, I know we've talked about this. What's something that bothers you about LinkedIn? So it is, it is tangential to to the um, um, humble brag. It is the long, I, like there's sometimes where like the professionalism kicks in and I just don't type it, but I just want to like type on some of these. That story didn't happen. Like none of, like you just made that up. Like you made up this story, like like this long form story about like, you know, 
Like, you know, I saw this, I was going to the interview. I saw this dog. I, I decided to stop. I got the dog to the vet. I gave him food and I missed the interview. But then the next day I went back, you know, they called me back in and sure enough, the CEO was the dog. And you're just like, yeah, that, that, that didn't happen. Like that was a, that, like, like, and, and you just made me read that. And I just want to like delete you from everything. And then, and then it's like a row of people under going so insightful. And I'm like, do we all collectively lose our mind? Like, <laughs> how about you, Ray? What, what's something that just drives you nuts about LinkedIn? Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna kind of dovetail off of what you said. Just the the constant bragging without actual content. You know, so it's great that you're out there. You know, doing what you're doing, but. Aside from sharing with me your success, tell me something interesting about your organization. Tell me some information that I can take away as as a reason to call you or to engage with you other than the fact that you're just super successful. Okay. How about you, Hillary? Well, I definitely agree with what everybody is saying, but I'm going to take another turn and I'm noticing more and more where people are soliciting um, where all of a sudden, oh, I saw your profile and I think you need my product because blah, 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 blah. And it's like, who are you? You saw my profile. You're talking. You must not have gone down enough in the profile to see what I currently do because you're talking about something I did 30 years ago that just happens to be on the resume from LinkedIn since I've been on it since it was created. And so I think that once again, it's a lot of times it's like you need to know your audience versus just bragging about yourself and telling everybody why they have to have your product. And everybody's a self-proclaimed expert. In fact, I'm a self-proclaimed expert on saying who is a self-proclaimed expert. That's my, that's, I'm going to put that in my, under my line. I'm going to put self-proclaimed expert and everyone will go. I always think I should just be like, go on there and just rant and be the anti-LinkedIn person and see what people say. Like, you know, ah, yeah, yeah, just be like the grumpy old man. You know, I'll sit there, I'll be the grumpy old man. I'll be like, get off my lawn, you sons of a bitches. Get off my LinkedIn. <laughs> Steve, if, yeah. you, if you put it on, if you put it on as one of your skills, I'll go in and endorse it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So this is something that uh, I always like the answer to this question, and I started it in the beginning just because I don't read business books, and you don't have to read a business book on this part, but you can say, "What's a book that has influenced you?" Now, I don't, I don't like to say when people say this book has changed my life because I really don't think any book can change your life. A book can help you and. You know, unless it's like how to give CPR and you're dying and you give yourself CPR, but you can't do. But I don't think any book can, but I think books can make a difference. And is there a business book or it could be a personal book? I mean, a, a, a nonfiction or a fiction, a book that's not a, is there a book that has has really connected to you, has helped you, helped you out? Hillary, is there a book that's really, you know, you really mean something to you? Well, there's a, there's a few. So, um, being in the business that I'm in, there's a book called Giftology, and it talks about the the whole concept behind giving gifts for business and creating an experience based on giving a gift. The other one that I was years and years ago, it's called The Secret, and it's just kind of if you create within yourself your universe, and I've tested it out before, and I'm not saying that everybody should believe in what's written in there, but there are times that if you wake up in the morning and you go, oh, I don't feel good or whatever, you're going to 
you're setting yourself up to feel a certain way for the day. Whereas even if you don't feel good, if you in your mindset kind of, okay, today's going to be a good day, whether it's not or is, by you just kind of proclaiming that it's not going to be a bad day, that it's going to be an okay day, you're probably going to have a better day than if you start creating that in your mind. So those are the two books that stand out. But I've read, I have read hundreds of business books and, you know, I think um, it just all depends on, I think, the individual. How about you, John? I'm actually currently reading one I'm enjoying. It's called The uh, the One Thing, um, which is really about like, it's very easy when you're, and especially when you're running a business, like, and but even in life, like you try to boil the ocean, which is like impossible. But it's really just about like, how do you prioritize and say, if I'm looking at like a hundred things that need to get done, if these five things are going to have the most impact, then that's what you have to focus on. And it's really about like, creating that structure in your brain to say, I'm only one person. I have a certain amount of time. I got to create a priority. And then that's where I'm going to yield the result. So um, for, for, for me, it's been really helpful to kind of like create focus around what I'm doing. Um, so I've been enjoying it. And I think the one, the one thing is a really good song by NXS. And I think it's off the Shabu Shaba album. I'm not sure though. Um, Ray book. Uh, I have a couple of them on a personal level. The Alchemist, I think, is one of the most phenomenal books ever. Um, but from business, I would say probably Emotionomics, right? Because especially we're all in some level of sales and marketing, especially as an entrepreneur and, and things of that nature. You know, John and, and Hillary have both talked about the emotional connection that they make with their clients, whether it's the smile on their face or whatever. So, you know, having dynamic and lasting impact isn't handing somebody a pen and, and them go, oh, thank God, now I can, you know, use your service. But understanding the emotion behind what drives people to make buying decisions, um, you know, management styles, things of that nature, it's it's really a prevalent part of, of creating a successful um, organization. Okay, well, here we come up to our final question. And uh, I always ask this to end the show because... You all have good insight. You've all given good answers. And someone comes up to you, and they could have just graduated high school. They could have graduated college. They could have left their job. They could be getting out of trade school. They're they're getting into this work world. As my mother would say, they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. You know, they want to they wanna make shit happen. What is some advice that you would give to someone who actually is treating you somewhat as a mentor and comes up to you? Ray, what's some advice you would give to someone? Somebody directly out of high school? No, anyone that's coming up to you in a mentor role. They could be out of high school, they could be out of college. It could be someone starting a new career. What would you give them? What advice would you give them to navigate this, this crazy world that we go through in business? Don't be afraid to start at the bottom and learn each role. I think it's so incredibly important, you know, as as people come out of college and they have degrees and they feel like, you know, they're going to, they're automatically going to land this amazing uh, managerial experience. And, and because they've read it in a book, they, they're going to understand how to handle things up until the point where, you know, pardon my language, but shit hits the fan. And then they're like, Oh, I don't have experience. I don't know what I, what I should do in this role. I think that it's really important that you have 
a full understanding in, in every part of an organization or, you know, even if you're an entrepreneur. I know Hillary has to have supply chain management skills. I know that she has to do time management. I know that she has to have, you know, amazing accounting uh, and understanding and, and tax and the rest of it. So just to have a, an overall understanding of a lot of different areas of business so that you could draw upon that and, and really be an effective leader, either whether you're inside of an organization or you're doing it on your own. Okay. How about you, John? Um, I've actually had this conversation with like friends, kids. Um, and for me, especially if they're going into college and they're trying to figure out their major. And as somebody who has two degrees, neither of which are directly related to the profession I have today. And we have two other people on this panel who are not doing what they started out doing. My advice is always learn how to learn and never stop doing that because that is the one skill set that can't be obsolete because everything else is going to change. Like you're going to get bored. Technology is going to change. You know, Society is going to change. All of these things are going to change. So if you have the ability to learn and adapt, you will always be ready for the next thing um, because that's the one skill set. If you have it, you can use it for the rest of your life. Okay. How about you, Hillary? Um, kind of a combination of everything. If it's, if it's, if it's a kid coming out of high school, going into college, I would say, take your basic courses, anything that you think you might be interested in. There's always an introduction and take, take a course because I wanted like John, I wanted to be an architect. And in my case, I had to put myself through school so I could not keep up the course load. But as a kid, I used to always stand in front of the TV set and always critique all the advertisements that came out. So it was just a natural for me to go. If it's somebody who has already done one job and they're looking at something else, and I would even tell this to somebody coming out of high school looking, it's always great to go for the job that has that makes the most money. But down the road, you're never going to make the most money unless you are in a job that you are passionate about. The money comes from the passion. It comes from what you enjoy doing. So you can spend your entire life working in a job that you hate or a profession you hate because you're doing it for the money, or you can pick a profession you like, love, and the money will end up coming because the passion will come through. There you go. Well, this was great today, people. Uh, Ray, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, well, you know, I've got all of the socials for sure, but um, the easiest way is uh, r.pastor at durandac.org. All right. How about you, John? Uh, I am also on every social platform, uh, John Cruz, John Cruz Photography, um, or they could just visit johncruz.com. And Hillary? Well, most of my stuff is right behind me just because I didn't want people to see my kitchen. Um, but um, everything is under a flare for fudge or um, with social media as well. And my phone number's here. Okay, everyone, so connect with them. Uh, you can email me at the... Uh, the coop tank at yahoo.com uh, yahoo.com if you're interested in advertising and or sponsoring an episode please reach out to me you know the people who do this show are shakers and movers in the business world so don't you want them to see 
what you're about and what you're doing and your product. It's a perfect way. You, it's great people. Great people are on the show. Great people watch the show. Also, go to my website, coopertalk.net. You can find 995 episodes of my podcast. Some great guests on there from Ed Asner to David Duchovny to Stephen Van Zant. And March 30th at Studio 67 Medford, I'll be doing the show Laughs and Lyrics. Myself and Nigel Bennett, he was in a member of the 80s band called The Members, and he's in a member of the punk band called The Vibrators too. I'll be doing stand-up, then he'll be doing music, then we'll be sitting down and I'll be interviewing him and we'll be telling stories. Contact me to get ticket information. And once again, I want to thank Joe Ganjemi. Joe Ganjemi from Sweet Recording. Reach out to them. Email them. Hello at sweet, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com. I'm Steve Cooper. Thanks for watching The Coop Tank, and I'll talk to you all next time.